0: Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And today, oh my goodness, I have a special guest. His name is Bob Stoops. Yep, he's a former head football coach at the University of Oklahoma. And he's also the author of the book, No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach, Bob Stoops and Gene Wojcicki. And coach, I am just absolutely honored to have you on the show today.
1: Bruce, good to be with you. And uh, heck, you're out there talking to the business world. This is how I'm between meetings and I have to do this Zoom in my car. So I got 30 minutes before my next appointment. I thought I retired.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, there's no retiring for you. Hey, I was just thinking back, uh, you know, I had uh, the great Toby Rowland on the show back in 2020. So now another leader from the Sooner family. So uh, what a great guy. Hey, you know, I actually grew up. I I was curious. I grew up about 45 minutes east of Norman down Highway 9 in a little town, great football country of Seminole, Oklahoma. Did you know Mike Snyder, Coach Mike Snyder?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, great great little town, and uh, yeah, Mike does a great job over there.
0: Yeah, for sure. We uh, uh, played with a couple of Sooner players on that 85 championship team, and then, you know, my kids uh, went to Lake Dallas High School, so you had a couple of pretty good players from Lake Dallas High School in Dusty Dvorak and uh, Big D, Big Daryl.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Daryl's still playing, and uh, Dusty, I see around here, of course, he's He's in broadcasting, was a great player for me, and and uh, Big Darrell Williams is uh, still, he's still on somebody's roster. I, I want to say Buffalo, but I'm not sure if that's right.
0: Yeah, so we definitely follow Big Darrell Williams, uh, just a just a great, great guy. Hey, we're going to talk some leadership lessons from your book, of course, and in, in football, and I would love to start, you know, actually, uh, whenever I do a podcast, I always think back about Uh, when I met that person, or when that person first came into my path. And for you, coach, it was in 1998. I had just moved to Dallas, Texas, uh, about three years earlier. And I was, uh, our general manager was a big time Florida Gator fan, like big time. And Uh, he came up to me. And of course, you know what the years were like in 95 through 98 for Oklahoma. And he said, Hey, you guys are getting ready to start winning again. I said, why is that? And he said, you're getting ready to get a coach from Florida. His name's Bob Stoops, and he is going to turn your program around. And I remember <laughs> saying to him, thank goodness. Uh, so I was thinking well, back about that time.
1: You, you thank him for me for spreading some good vibes sto- uh, towards me.
0: I love that. Hey, I want to talk about your book, uh, No Excuses. I, really, I want to start really where you started. And you started that first chapter. Uh, and you start talking about family. And, and, you know, of course, you tell some incredible stories in, in the book. And, and for those who are uh, listening, I'm holding up Coach Stoops' book called No Excuses. I'm going to put a link to that in, in the show notes. But one of, the, one of the things that caught my attention was you were talking about when you were watching film with your father, Ron Sr. And you were in the kitchen. Of course, it was very funny the, the way you set all that up. But you said something that really caught my attention, and I thought about how this relates to people in the workplace, and that is this. When people watch a game, you said people, most people watch the football, and your father taught you to see the game. Can you talk a little bit about that? What What you mean by see the game? How do you see the game?
1: Well, he would he'd watch the same play over and over 20 times. So he was... He was not only watching, of course, the football, but he was more watching every lineman, offense, defense, their steps, what they're doing. He's, you know, was watching as a linebacker in the right places or the DBs where they need to be. Um, So, you know, and when you're watching tape that way, you just run the projector back and forth, back and forth. And you're paying attention to every every little detail and uh, other than the football. And uh, usually if you're doing things the right way, the football get where it's supposed to be. Or if you're running, if you're running your defense, it won't get to where it needs to be.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, and I think about that. I think a lot of times like you'll have department managers and they're focused only on their department or on their project when seeing the game might mean, Hey, you need to look at all the different departments in the company and see how they all align together.
1: Well, I don't think there's any question you, you know, certain people in their job, they only need to look at what they're doing. But any anybody that's in a leadership or a or a you know a managing position has got to look at the whole of it all, and uh, how is it all working together? Uh, what can we do daily, weekly uh, to improve it? And uh, and I, I think very few things in life stay the same. So also, as you, it may rock along and be good for a year or two. And then some things need to be tweaked or changed. And we never hesitated to do that. I know that in our program, at times, I change up the way we practiced. Uh, I change up from day to day. I I went into one game before Tennessee at the beginning of a year and changed up our whole weekly practice uh, routine. And the players thought I was crazy. And uh, we won the game. And afterwards, everybody liked it. They're like, you know, I like this new routine. Our guys were just kind of bored with the old routine. We needed something fresh and new, and we weren't afraid to do it. You know, if you're working hard, you'll make it work one way or another. But I I think sometimes you can get stagnant if you don't don't look to improve.
0: I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, uh, you went on to play college football at Iowa. And one of the things that really uh, stood out to me, and by the way, I still love that picture of you and Billy Sims (laughs) and uh, what you shared about what he said. But uh, one of the things that really caught my attention from that was that I think a lot of people feel like quitting at times. And you shared how after that first year, you went back home and you, you know, you talked to your father and of course, I'm going to use the word convinced. (laughs) He sort of convinced you to keep playing, but you know, what, what was it that just pushed you through to help you like find your lane and like find your role there?
1: Well, uh, first of all, I, I was ready. I, in my mind, I was going to quit and leave Iowa uh, for a lot of reasons. And uh, I went home and talked about it one too many times in front of my father and I was outside helping him clean up the yard and he threw his broom down walk, had some serious choice words for me. And, uh, and I thought, huh, that isn't how I thought it was going to go. And, uh, lo and behold, I was going back to Iowa and, uh, I went back and earned a starting job for the next four years. Uh, I started at safety and, you know, had I left, who knows what would have happened, uh, throughout my life. But, um, so his, his tough love, uh, pushed me back, you know, and, and I made me go fight for it some more and I earned it, you know, so I, I think, uh, the, the message, I think sometimes people give up too early. Um, you know, it, it, anything worth having in life doesn't come easy. And, and as a parent, don't be afraid to give a little bit of tough love once in a while. Um, you know, everybody, you know, everybody needs it, you know, now and then, and, uh, it sure made a difference of course, in my life. And, uh, you know, and again, the experience I had playing at Iowa led to this entire career. So, uh, you know, uh, who knows? Again, uh, what what would have happened had I left?
0: I love that it's such great advice. I uh, I'm I'm curious. I always like to ask leader. You know, it seems like there's a common thread for for leaders in the workplace, and that is they all have people that help them get through a lot of different stages in their career. I, I call them mentors. And you share like a ton of people in your book that helped you? I, I was just curious if you could just share maybe a mentor or, or or someone that helped you through and what was it that made them such a good mentor for you?
1: Well, I, I think first it starts with my parents and my my father for sure, uh, just mod, trying to model after him. Uh, and I was in a high school that had some great, great coaches throughout the program that that were really strong men that were great leaders that I kind of, they rub off on you. And then, of course, you know, traveling to, you know, Iowa, I was around the most amazing coaches, Hayden Fry, uh, Hall of Fame coach, Bill Snyder, Hall of Fame coach, Barry Alvarez, Hall of Fame coach. Um, and it goes on and on. Kirk Ferentz, Dan McCarney, head coaches, you know, so all these people, I was just really, really fortunate to have been influenced and around the right people that were great leaders strong leaders and really quality smart people so um you know that's those are the ones and then it polished it all off especially for me was uh working with steve spurrier uh the ultimate leader the ultimate competitor and um you know he he really uh i emulated about everything i could in this program after what we were doing at florida and uh and you know it was easy to do too I really coach Spurrier and I not only are just such close friends, we're very similar people. We're very much alike in, in, in our family values and spiritually and everything else. So it was easy to emulate, uh, you know, and, and, to to follow coach Spurrier and, uh, he remains, uh, a very, very, he and his wife, Jerry, incredibly close, uh, to our family and to me, uh, to this day. So, uh, so anyway, and, and I just saw him a week ago and I uh, had a golf match with him and hung out with him at the pool out there in Florida for a little bit. So, you know, you you find the right people in life that that are really doing things in a special way. Do your best to, to listen to them, uh, watch them, learn from them and don't be afraid to ask.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. I love that. I appreciate that. Hey, you know, uh, I was reading in your uh, your book, the chapter called Identity, and it kind of uh, reminded me of a time that I heard Lou Holtz talk about the thing he feared most was the perils of being number one. And you had talked a little bit about how you had that early success. I remember that national championship uh, year, an incredible year but you had talked about, you know, how much you enjoyed that chase. And I was just curious, there's a lot of people like that experience that success. How do you like, how do you keep it going?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I always uh, compartmentalized everything. To me, enjoy that year as it happened, love the chase of it all, the fight of it all, the struggle. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that was our mantra around our building and in our office. Even in recruiting, i get guys and they'd come. I said, just because we've won all these years doesn't mean you're going to. Mm. You know, everybody has to earn their stripes. We earn what we do every day, every month, every year. And, and every year is a new one. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to work for it, fight for it, just like we always do. We'll try and structure some things if we feel we can make it better you know, and our methods and how to reach those goals. Uh, never afraid to tweak those if we need to, but the, the nut and bolts of it's going to be hard work, toughness and earn it, you know? So as much as you can tweak and change things, they ain't going to make it easier. You know, winning, winning at the level we have is not easy. And, uh, anybody's winning that, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and, uh, I always made sure my players and coaching staff understood that, that, you know, we got to go earn it again every time we go out there. And and always, too, we're going to get everybody's best shot. Mm. So, you know, once we had won like we did and won the national championship, you better even be more ready the next day.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. You know, every year is different. You have different players. Just a lot of things are, are different. Hey, you you mentioned about recruiting. I, I do want to touch on that because in Chapter 13 – you, you have a chapter titled Subjectivity, and you said, you know, recognizing talent is an art. It's an inexact science and in how sometimes you take a leap of faith, and sometimes you get big, and other times you splat. And you talked a little bit about some of the players that you saw, not necessarily on the football field, but on the basketball court. I thought that was just fantastic. I would love for you to talk about uh, what you typically would look at when you were looking at, at recruiting but also not just players like how do you know like they're going to be a good coach uh because you had you recruited some pretty good coaches too
1: well I think first of all it's uh, character uh, the individual person and character I don't want to be around anyone that, that I'm not around bad people mm. at any time anywhere uh you know I want quality good people as assistants and, and even as a player, I don't care how good he is. If he's not about the right things, he's not going to be with me. Um, and then, and then everybody has a history and a track record. And, and it says something about, you know, what you've done and who you are and what success you've had. And, you know, so with assistant coaches, I'd always look at what's their, what's their history and, you know, what kind of quality has it really been? what kind of success have they had and um, same with players, you know, and players to me, I saw talent in a lot of ways, not just on the football field, the basketball courts, one of the easiest ways to spot it. If you can run around and play basketball in a really good way, you, you got a good football player. And uh, that always held true for me. And you'd be, you'd actually laugh at be surprised that you saw a group, my team play basketball. We had a little tournament one time in the winter to break it up again, changing things up and changing up the monotony of all the lifting and running. Said we're going to take this week and we're going to everybody, you know, we had our leaders pick teams and we're going to have a basketball tournament every day. And man, you'd see our guys get out on that basketball court. You can't, your jaw drops. You're like, are you kidding me? You'll see a 300 pound guy going up dunking. You'll see a 300 pound offensive lineman top of the key shooting threes and making them. I mean, it's you see little guys that can jump out of the roof that'll go down the lane and dunk. That's how I, I, I recruited our first team All-American Derek Strait in our first recruiting class. He wasn't being highly recruited. Derek ends up the Nagurski Award winner for the best defensive player in America and the Thorpe Award winner for the best defensive back in America. Well, I'm watching him play basketball. This is you know, while I was recruiting him. I didn't watch five minutes of him practice. I looked at the guy recruiting him. I go, heck yeah, we're going to offer him. He was quick as all get out. He could go down the lane, dump the ball, and he wasn't but 5'10", 5'11", shooting the ball from everywhere. I said, this guy's an athlete. And uh, anyway, that's just an example. I didn't take me probably less than five minutes to shake my head at my assistant coach. And then this is the first time I had seen Derek in person. I said, absolutely. We're, we're, we're going to offer him.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. You, you talked about Bradford, you talked about Murray. I mean, I just, I just love the stories. Let me
1: tell that one DeMarco Murray. I'm recruiting another guy at his school. That's already going to come to us. So I go through his school, DeMarco's finishing basketball practice. I hadn't seen him yet or offered him. And the head coach convinces him to show, him, show me a dunk. Well, he throws the ball off the back of the cement wall. The ball lands in the lane. He comes running from the top of the key. The ball's up in the air, grabs the ball and rams it through the backboard shaking. And again, Demarco's only six foot six one. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I said, if this guy can do that, he, I, said, I said to the coach, I said, now you tell DeMarco cause I'm not allowed to talk to him. He was a junior. I said, "You tell DeMarco that that he's he's got a scholarship at Oklahoma, and he can play any position he wants." And I meant it. <laughs> so I offered him on the I offered him on the spot.
0: Uh, he found a pretty good Same position. With,
1: <laughs> but, oh yeah, and and you talked about Bradford was good at everything. I mean, hockey, basketball, anything he picked up. He's a scratch golfer. Hey, he'd do anything, and you know the most accurate passer I've ever had.
0: Yeah. He, oh man. Yeah. Oh, that, those are great stories. I just, lo- I love that. And that's one thing I love about the book. You can just see some of those insights and what I, what I wanted uh, people to hear that people that are listening is that, you know, it's not just about the resume, you know, it's sizing people up. I love how you talked about when you recruited coaches, how values, how much, how important that was in character. Um, and so it's so much more than what you've done, but who you are.
1: Well, sure. And and let's face it, if you're in a big business or you're leading people, character's gonna show up. One way or another, you're gonna have tough times or whatever it is, making decisions. And you want people that are gonna make the right ones or ones that reflect who you are.
0: Hey, you, uh, I, I got a couple more, uh, uh, tough more chapters I wanna talk about real quick. And one of those chapters is towards the end of the book and it's called Why? And, you know, of course, you're, you're talking about, you know, you, you, you left after an incredible uh, career at the University of Oklahoma. But, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, you thought about, you know, giving, you know, leaving at, at Iowa and you decided to stay. And then you tell a story about Jason White where he wasn't named the starter. And all of a sudden he's disappointed and thinking about, you know, leaving. And then, you know, and then now here you are after an incredible career and then you make that decision a lot of people like they wonder, you know, should they, you know, is, is it burnout? Is it fatigue? Is it time to leave? How did you know uh, it was time for you to actually leave? Because a lot of times, or how does, let me ask a different way. How do people know when they need to press down and accelerate and work harder and when they, you know, it is time to leave. Any thoughts around that?
1: Well, uh, mine was never burnout. And, and of course we had just finished, number four or five in the country and won the sugar bowl. So I nobody was displeased with what I was doing. Uh, so I didn't feel any need to work harder. I just felt I just felt for myself in my life. It was the right time. Um, I tell the the story there's a and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual guy. So I there's a story and I, I won't say it correctly. But just because I'm not a minister or a priest or something that tells good stories about Uh, but there's a parable about a guy that was drowning in a, in a, in a house that kept filling with water and the first pass by, there's a a boat or something comes by and he rejects it, said he's praying to the Lord, surely he won't, won't let me perish. I've been so faithful and whatnot. And then I don't know, two hours later, you know, something else comes by that could save him, maybe a helicopter and he waves it on. Third, something comes by to rescue him, and he's still praying. Got his eyes closed, and he doesn't even see the third venue, that uh, vehicle that could have saved him. So in the end, he get, he dies, drowns, and goes to heaven. And he's having an argument with God when he gets up there on how could you let me pass away that you know drown this way when I've been so faithful and good to you, and on and on. And uh, and he says, well, if you were paying attention and opened your eyes, you would have seen. I I gave you three opportunities not to perish. So in my, not that I was perishing, but I, I just felt I would gotten some signals in my, in my world and in, in my eyes that were, why would I even think about this? It had popped up. For instance, I was driving to a game my last year, late in the season in the fall, and I saw a group of golfers. I go by the university course on the way to the stadium. And every year for 18 years, I would think, look at these schmucks out there. They don't get to go play. You know, that, they, they got a boring life out there golfing. I get to go and, and, and have a game and be on the field and da-da-da-da-da. And this last year, I drove by and I thought, wow, those guys look like they're having a good time. And I was like, why? That never entered my mind ever before. So little by little, you start to get some in my mind that maybe God's telling me something. And it's like, hey, and I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid of it. I just thought, you know, it's been 18 great years. And you never know in life what else is gonna to come to you until you open yourself up to it. So I was like, hey, I'm, I told my wife, you know, before the last game at home, I didn't want her, if I did act on it, cause I, I didn't have my mind made up, but I just want, I didn't want her to be cheated out of the last game at home, that this is what I was thinking that it might be a possibility. So I said, you know, and fortunately we beat Oklahoma State for the big 12 championship. And I brought my family out to take a picture under the scoreboard with no one knowing whether I was going to do it or not.
0: I love that. I was actually at that game with my wife, Dana, and my brother and and my uh, sister and her husband, my mom and dad, we were all there. It was raining that day. I remember that. Um, And there was a big 12 championship game. Hey, I want, I know we only have about uh, four more minutes here. So I'm going to kind of wrap up here, but there's something important that uh, another one I want to talk about. And you have a, chapter titled Empathy. And empathy is a big word in the workplace, especially with, you know, the coronavirus and how people are working now and remote work and all of that. But you, you share, of course, you share the, the, the story of your daughter, McKenzie. And, and I just, uh, it's a really inspiring story. But you also talk about the importance of volunteering and uh, the empathy um, uh, in, in regard to uh, the, uh, uh, I think it was the OU Children's Hospital. You spent a lot of time there, and you shared a lot of stories. Uh, how, how important is that for you and and, uh, and and leadership to to just be involved?
1: Well, I, I think any any time you're in a leadership position, if you can spread the love, spread the, you know, the confidence, spread some encouragement. Um, you're, 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 you're to do so in my mind. Um, You know, otherwise you're, you're wasting the talent that you have. You need to give back to others. Uh, I found my, my work was founded early in my career was uh, the love of going up to the uh, OU Children's Hospital, uh, being around in, in most part, it was mostly through the cancer ward and uh, met hundreds of kids and families and parents up there uh, through the years, many I still keep in touch with. Mm. I had a, a, a neat, um, you know, neat girl that I met oh, 18 years ago, who's now married and just had twins. And I see her, you know, usually once a year for lunch, but she had she had sent me a, a text that she had just had twins. And, and uh, you know, so there's just great stories like that. And again, many of them, I still, you know, run into or keep up with, or they'll call me uh, now that are healed. And then, and of course, then there's the the really difficult stories. You may run into a parent who, you know, their child didn't make it, and uh, mm. and it's just, you know, it's always hard. But that never kept me from going back. I always felt, you know, uh, no matter what, you got to keep going back and give them takes their mind off of maybe the pain and the treatment. If you sit there and spend an hour with them and play a game with them, whatever it is, it, it gives them and it more than anything, I felt it makes them know they're important Mm. and and that, that they matter, you know, more than anything. That was, that was my big purpose.
0: I love that. I love that purpose. You know, that's so important. Uh, I I love how you shared all of that, the stories and I'm going to, uh, I'll link that in the show notes too. If somebody wants to get, as a matter of fact, I think I saw something where you shared on social media about, Hey, uh, we're, we're raising some money for the Children's Hospital. So you, you continue to stay involved in that. Uh, so I'll put a link to well, that I, as well.
1: Yeah, I do. I do cameos that all the proceeds go to children's organizations from Norman, Oklahoma City. So that's part of my it's part of our foundation. Uh, I have a, you'll love it. We have the head ball coaches. I stole it from Coach Spurrier, uh, uh, HBC Champions Foundation. And on my foundation, it's with Lincoln Riley and Barry Switzer. And, uh, and all our proceeds from the foundation events that we do, again, go to children's organizations here locally.
0: Well, I will definitely put that information in the show notes as well. If somebody wants to learn more about that and wants to get involved in somehow, that way they'll have that information. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. the Last question. Um, you, you, now, you know, the football season, this is actually going to be played the opening day of, uh, OU season, September the 4th. Uh, but you're going to be in a new role. What are you most energized about that?
1: Yeah, I'm worth, I'm with the great team with Fox, uh, sports and, um, I'm with big noon kickoff. I'm going to be on the pregame show from 10 Eastern to noon Eastern. And um, it's with, you know, Rob Stone, it's with Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart and Brady Quinn. I replaced uh, people may be familiar with Urban Meyer was on it the last couple of years. And so now I replaced Urban on the show. So I'm really looking forward to it. A great group of people to work with, um, a lot of fun. And um, I think it's going to be exciting to be uh, just to be out there in a different way.
0: Coach Stoops, it's been an absolute honor just having you on the show and, and just sharing your wisdom and perspective. I'm confident this is going to help someone out there that's uh, listening right now, and I just wanted to say thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, Thank you for having me on, and all the best to you and everybody listening out there.
0: Hey, Boomer Sooner, can't wait for the football season to begin, and I'm rooting for you, wishing you the best and continued success. All right, thank, thank- you. Boomer Sooner to everybody. Thanks, Coach.